All right, special edition of making it up. Yeah, special edition. I was thinking we could publish it without even the 101. This is a aberration in our feed. I can't believe actually we've gone 100 episodes without doing something different. Is that a testament to us lacking innovation or is it because we have a good format? What does that come down to? I think we have a good format. This is Making It Up, a podcast where we tell you what's happening in creative culture and why it matters. I'm Sharice Poon, and my co-host is Eugene Kan. We don't always have all the answers, but we try our best to reach a conclusion that adds value to the conversation. If you like this podcast, please share an episode with a friend. We really appreciate it. It's interesting because we kind of had the format down quite quickly. It was more the length. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we started essentially with the format. It's gone through some slight change, but overall has not, you know, has not been questioned. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's been really good. I think the only reason we are doing this special episode is because... I personally feel like 100 is a landmark worth doing something different for. And so I put it to the Macon Slack community. I said, hey, we just recorded our 100th episode. We didn't do anything different because Eugene and I were not prepared. What do you feel like would be interesting? And a couple people responded and said, why don't you guys talk about your personal lives? Well, that was one of my suggestions. Um, and some people miss the banter bit of this podcast, which we used to have more of. Do you think that's because we're doing it remotely or because we just cut it all out? We cut it out because we were trying to tighten up the focus on the creative news. We, we banter in real life before and after the actual recording takes place. I guess that's what the people want to hear. Yeah. They don't care about the creative news. Yeah. They just want the I talking. Mean, I proposed this to you earlier. I was saying. What would it look like if we only did one topic versus two? I mean, we've gone from three to two to one. I don't love doing one topic because, I mean, even though sometimes our two topics don't match up, occasionally they do. And I find that super interesting, like that possibility. And I also think it's nice to have you introduce one and I introduce one and have that balance like per episode as opposed to like every other episode. So that's my argument. And also just like in terms of how much each of us talk. I think yeah, it, it's good balance. But anyway, to get back onto our special, special episode, air quotes, air quotes. Um, I came up with a structure that doesn't mean we're just going to talk aimlessly for an hour. We're going to do two sections. We're going to start with six questions. Eugene is going to ask three. I'm going to ask three in alternating Wait, you have format. To, you have to give the, the title you've assigned to this section. <laughs> Okay, in our working document, we have written section one, semi-curious-and-creative-relevant-adjacent-questions. So semi-curious and creative-relevant-adjacent-questions with hyphens between everything. 
And then parentheses, shouldn't this be semi-creative and not semi-curious? Whatever. We've added both in. Okay. Yeah. We covered all our bases. And then the section after this is going to be a lightning round. So what was your thought behind this as a topic? Mm. Or is it so self-evident that I shouldn't even ask that question? Well, I thought, okay, we should probably have some kind of format that is not Eugene and I just talking for an hour because, I don't know, don't know what would come out of that. And I feel like it's good to have some guidance. And then... It felt like, well, we should deliver something pertaining to creativity that is not just about us personally. So that that's where I landed on this. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you contribute you contributed nothing to the brainstorming process. No, no. But I also wasn't tasked with it. So <laughs> I left I left that to you because I felt you had it under control. That's one thing I've learned is like if someone's got something under control, don't be poking your fingers in there trying to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed. All right. My first question is, is creativity difficult? Such an open-ended question. But that's, that's why we're asking these questions with the heavy hitters at the beginning. Yes. I'm going to go with yes. I think, oh, there's no why on that question. It's really just a yes, no question. But it should be a why. You should preface okay. why you think um, a certain way. Yes, I think creativity is difficult because I've discovered whenever I'm procrastinating, it's on things that are more creative. And when it's things that I know how to get done, like I know exactly what I'm doing, then I can just get it done. But if it's like pulling something out of thin air, it's harder. I mean, that's like an extremely personal answer. I don't think creativity at its core is difficult but i think that creativity and creative output that resonates is incredibly Mm. difficult so it's kind of along the lines of what's that saying it's like it's easy to do to do something but hard to master it's like skiing or something i don't remember it's skiing or snowboarding you know it's easy to engage in but it's hard to master and that's exactly how i feel about creativity and i think actually creativity has probably gotten a bit more challenging uh, and the challenge probably comes down to the the amount of work required to understand all the moving parts. Because in the past, the moving parts of quote-unquote culture didn't move as quickly. So you had more time to think. Because we, we all agree, right? Creativity, um, if I was just going to kind of rifle off the top of my head, it's obviously putting out something into the world, creating something that in whatever medium it may be but doing it in a way that resonates and people understand. Yeah. But th- that element of understanding, knowing there's so much fragmentation, whether it's media, whether it's uh, niche groups, et cetera, like all those things need to be taken into consideration in regards to what your output is and who it's for. So yeah. I think that the fact that there's so many different groups, I mean, groups is the wrong word, audiences, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many audiences out there. There's so many audiences out there that, it becomes really challenging. You can do something for one audience, but it just might totally miss the mark with many other audiences. No, I think you're right. When I said my previous answer, I was definitely thinking about creative output that is public facing, that winds up being for a public audience in some way. I do think creativity is innate in a lot of us. So just drawing or writing or taking photos personally is not so difficult because it just comes naturally. It's just a thing that 
you enjoy and you do. And it's the same for myself. So definitely I was already thinking about creative output that is for someone to view or understand, like you said, to have resonance with. What is the most common misconception about the creative industry? I would say the most common misconception is that when it comes to the creative industry and making money off creativity, that it's about you and your vision. I think that's the one thing that. What do you What do you mean? What do you mean? Can you elaborate? Who is the you in your answer? Well, maybe if you didn't cut me off, Sharice, I was in the midst of developing my answer. My bad. My bad. I've talked about this before, but I think that when it comes to quote unquote creative industry stuff, it's not about what you want. People are hiring you to do a job for them, right? Mm. And while they do want some of your, I guess, your skill set, your vision, whatnot, sometimes you need to be a little bit more open-minded to understand their needs. Mm. So I think that's the one thing that is often lost and probably a reason why people are unable to, I guess, I don't know if this is the right word, but it's sustain their trajectory in terms of... uh understanding psychologically what their role is in a relationship with a client. Yeah. Right? Because I think that client relation part is probably one of the most difficult sides of this whole thing. Did you read that article I sent you from We Present? Mm, is it Was it part of your, your thing? Yeah. The list of articles? Honestly, I've, I've really backed up on reading just from traveling the last few weeks it's fine i sent you an article called career myths is it possible to sell out on your own terms and it was from we present which is a blog published by we transfer and essentially what it was saying is that there is this myth that you should always preserve this perfect creative integrity as an individual and never quote unquote sell out but in reality the, exactly what you're saying, the creative industry demands you to make compromises about what you do and who you are working for. And it's not like you can always forever preserve this perfect idea of like, this is my vision of my work. And that's the only way my work can be used. Mm. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of in alignment with what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. What's your most common misconception? The answer is something that's kind of a pet peeve for me is that since almost like since I went into art school, people like just friends, acquaintances have this reaction that I'm very lucky. Like they sort of talk about like, oh, your job must be so fun. Being a graphic designer is so cool. Like that sounds like you have this really awesome group of people that you must hang out with who are like creative and interesting. And yeah, sometimes those things are true, but and I have been lucky in terms of like people I've met, but I feel weird that people feel that way about my job. Like I just don't know what that setup means about all jobs overall. Like I don't think creative jobs are necessarily more fun and cool than other jobs, and I think it's like a weird really? kind of jealousy almost. Well, I think there's a sense of foundation behind why they're, I mean, you use the word jealous, so I'll just use that word. But I mean, it comes down to the freedom and the ability for you to have such a dynamic 
opportunity at every turn, right? I think that's what's nice about the creative world is that you're you're kind of defining your own path in many ways. I mean, there's a lot of downfalls like security, yeah. Et but when it comes to the job itself, it's like the flexibility and freedom. Uh, in addition to the working environment, I think that's what people want. That gets better at what I find annoying about this misconception, though, is that like there are all of these downfalls or whatever like challenges that come with being in the creative industry that when your immediate reaction is oh that sounds so cool like kind of seems to make me feel like yeah but like i made a choice to not have job security so i don't know i can understand it's like it's it's not it's you not don't a think it's a misconception me, right yeah the misconception of working in the creative world is being the best is definitely a misconception but i think i fully understand POV of people that feel that way who don't work in the industry. Let's put it that way. Under what conditions do you quit? I'm trying to remember the last time I quit something. Maybe you're not pushing yourself hard enough then. Oh, damn. Way to call me out. Or maybe, or maybe it's just this. <gasps> Holy this shit. Wow. Just walked right into being burned. Sorry. Or maybe, or maybe what? What is the alternative? Either I'm not pushing myself hard enough or. Or you're just super committed to everything. I'm literally trying. I'm just sorry. I'm really literally trying to remember the last time I quit something. Um, this turns out to actually be a very personal podcast. This is one of my weaknesses. I tend to only attempt things that I already believe I can succeed at, which goes back to you. Your answer being like, maybe I'm not challenging myself enough. Well, you've done things that you have never done before, but you I have. are confident that I your have. existing skill set will kind of push you over the line yeah i'd i've never attempted something i've never started doing something that i was really in doubt of whether i would wind up being good at it i mean this podcast oh. potentially yeah but i haven't quit it yet no that's what i'm saying like you you probably had a sense of uncertainty but oh yeah definitely yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely um let me think of an under what hypothetical qu conditions would i quit something um I can remember one, there is one freelance job that I pulled out of, like a freelance design job that I just was, I just wasn't delivering work that they were happy with. And they were also kind of, I don't know if abusive sounds too intense, but they were just unpleasant and they were not nice. They were very not nice. And so that made me not want to do it, even though I had like agreed to do it. And I, I, I wound up telling them like, hey, I just don't think it's worth it. I'm not even, I won't even take the rest of the money. I just don't think like I'm the right fit for this job. And actually, I think what pushed me over to making that decision was not like the work itself, but was the fact that they were just so unpleasant to me. Mm -hmm. And that just like was not worth it. <laughs> it was like the money that they would have given me was not worth like dealing with their uh, the way they were treating me. From my perspective, the conditions in which I quit are often based off of, can I do a good job? If I'm lacking the resources, time, whatever it may be to do a good job. And this is also considering what, what the required outcome is, right? Like I might mm -hmm. not know this is a mediocre job, but the outcome required is good enough. And that's the one thing too. I think good enough is something that you should be okay with as well. Yeah. And this is sounds weird because I think usually the the artist mentality is like it has to be amazing, but not everything requires you to break the bank, 
you know, pour over every single detail when the outcome doesn't require it. But I think for me, quitting most recently is just really about understanding where can I provide the most value? And it doesn't necessarily mean doing something I've done before. It just means, can my experience or my insight, can that be applied in a way that allows everyone to benefit from it versus taking on something where I'm not the best person mm-hmm. and, you know, we're not, we're not really going to move the ball forward. So I think that there are opportunities where I know there are better people out there, but because the person I'm working with doesn't have access to that person at this moment in time, then I'm, I'm the person that's better than what the second option is right now. So I think there's a level of pragmatic thought that goes into how you position yourself uh, in some of these opportunities. Yeah, actually, weirdly, this reminds me of another thing I read. This is becoming a regular episode of Making so It Up at this rate. I had no idea Sharice read as much as she did, like outside the realm of books. <laughs> I knew you read a lot of books, but you're, you're like, how do you get any work done? You literally are reading like 10, I mean, 2,000, 3,000-word pieces. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to explain this. I think you just never knew because I never sent them to you, even though you have asked me multiple times in the course of knowing each other to like send you the things I read. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so this thing that I read is called How and When Do You Shut Down Your Studio? Carly Ayers on the decision to close HaRaf. And HaRaf was this interaction design and development studio that she started with a couple of partners. And in general, they were really successful, but they wound up making a decision earlier this year, I believe, to shut it down. And they made that decision because of pragmatism, essentially, where they were like, the amount of money it would take for us to scale up is, we don't, we don't have it. And then also like the jobs that we would have to take while scaling are not the jobs that we want to do. So yeah. Yeah. And pulled the plug on it. What voices and perspectives do you feel like are missing slash need more representation? I'm trying to think of the best way to package the answer. I really believe that representation and voice is really about distribution and and who owns distribution. So everyone that is not part of the main distribution plan needs better voice and representation. So it's not really like, oh, it's a very definitive this group. It's so much as yeah. everyone that's not that. So maybe the question is really like if, if people are already saying the things and like sharing the perspectives that we don't see, but it's just that they don't see it because of distribution, then how do how does the system lead to like better distribution? You could theorize how to do it because it's not that hard, but the execution is incredibly challenging. Mm-hmm. So I, but I think that if you were kind of to put everything together, the key components I see are okay. Well, you need distribution, right? So. Do you go and create your own social media network for this group? Obviously, that, like I said, that's what I'm saying when it starts to get really far-fetched, really challenging. Mm-hmm. One way of looking at it. I mean, that distribution could be social media, could be like a newsletter list, whatever. And then when you start adding everything onto it, it's like, okay, marketing. Like, maybe you're the, you're the best voice for this demographic, but you aren't the best marketer. So how do you get into the marketing mindset? Or how do you find people that can help you? And the third one is Mm -hmm. obviously in the monetization route because there needs some sort of financial sustainability and or 
money kind of coming in so that you can do the best work. So that that's, I think you could take that recipe and just pass it along to all the different marginalized groups or voices that don't have um, a place to exist, right? Mm-hmm. And just give them almost like a playbook. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Maybe maybe that's what we should do. We should just do a playbook. Not that we have yeah. the answer, but I think that it's something that I've started to think more and more about. And this is something actually that I, I failed to mention in the intro. Do you think the podcasts we record for Making It Up are ephemeral? Like, are they going to be relevant and worth listening to in 10 years? Hmm. <laughs> I think they will be relevant as a marker of a period of time. I don't think that everything we say right now, I, I hope that a lot of what we say right now will no longer be necessary the further we go from the way we record. Because actually, a lot of the things that we actually wind up recording and talking about are solution based, like things that we would like to see happen. And so, if those things happen, then then these episodes will no longer be like maybe this could happen but like just a marker of like oh yeah in the past that's how things were do you see what i'm saying like it's kind of like if i'm if this is still relevant to people 20 30 years down the line then that means the situation hasn't changed i personally am always kind of coming to terms with that because i agree it's like a marker in time it's cataloging a part of culture etc I mean, I think it's relevant now, and that's a good thing, too. Not everything has to be, quote, evergreen. If we can get listeners to move us as a creative society past this point, like past these challenges, then that's amazing. Like, I would want that to be the outcome. But to also add to your answer to my question, I think there is a very um objective numbers based thing that we could do which i myself have not done which is to look at the people that you follow on twitter instagram like places that you get your news sources and really doing like an analysis of like this these are the types of writers and not to say that those are bad writers but like i think that would reveal to yourself like what is a gap in what you are reading and exposing yourself to mm-hmm. And then you can make a decision as to like what to do about that. But at least like first you have to know, actually, this is what I'm consuming. And that would help you lead to like, oh, maybe I need to increase my consumption of something else. How important is sustainability towards creative work? And I'm not necessarily talking about environmental sustainability. I'm just talking about your ability to endure is not the right word, but the ability for you to do it for a long time inspiration feeling happy about the work you create uh even physically i think it's incredibly important but i've also been recently thinking about whether creative output can have a deadline on it like you know how big um like famous film directors and musicians they kind of will come out and say actually this is my last album or this is my last movie and then I'm retiring. And that has made me think about like, oh, maybe you do reach a point where as a creative person, this is as much work I'm going to produce for an audience and I, I don't have anything more in me. And it doesn't mean that you stop being a creative person. Like I'm sure those people 
do continue to do creative things, but maybe it's like I'm actually done making creative things for other people mm-hmm. to consume. I mean, it's like this is super basic on that pyramid of whatever, right? Like the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes, thank you. The bare minimum is that you have to be able to eat and sleep and have shelter. And then, like, everything goes on top of that. So if you cannot manage those very basic human needs, then there is, like, no way to make creative work, in my opinion. I subscribe to that. I think there's a deadline. And there's things that don't need to be sustainable because the job to be done is short-lived right you know Mm -hmm. you're in some ways creatives are kind of like mercenaries Mm. you're brought in to do a job and that when the job's done you can leave yeah or maybe it's like you know how athletes have very natural timelines maybe creative work does too going back to the misconception part i think there is a misconception about the romantic nature of creative work which is kind of what you said but it's just that there are things that shouldn't always be driven by inspiration. Like if you need to do a job for money to pay a bill, then do that job and pay a bill. But I guess that is kind of in a way sustainable, right? Because Yeah, that's in support of financial sustainability. sustainability. So maybe at the end, on a very microscopic level, it doesn't need to be sustainable. But the fact that you are taking a job for that is probably not necessarily sustainable is actually benefiting the longer term like it's a paradox in a way i see what you mean i see what you mean yeah so maybe you take like a hit in terms of your vision of your creative work but that's what contributes to being able to do it for longer and we have a lot of private conversations about that subject now that i think of it yeah yeah private conversations around the idea of like what do we have to do in the short term that is maybe not our ideal version of what we want to do but it allows us to keep doing things which ultimately is a bigger goal over the course of my travels i I ran into this guy and he had some really interesting insights and i'm not going to go too much into detail because i think some of it is private but he really made me rethink ethics in regards to the job to be done because he has the he has quite a bit of experience running campaigns of all different kinds political campaigns marketing campaigns and he was saying there's a lot of shady there's a lot of shady stuff that often goes on and it happens when you're in competition with someone else, like another candidate, um, another competitor. What he was explaining was that from an ethical perspective, there are certain things that are flexible. It's like, it's Mm. very much dependent on the situation at hand and ethics sometimes Mm. can fly out the window or they need to be, they need to be executed in a certain way. So, I mean, what it sounds like to me, knowing a little bit more, is that it's really situation dependent. And it's not like you, you as an individual, like you, Eugene, you have your own set of values, right? But maybe you can't apply that set of values really strictly to every job um, that you wind up doing. Is yeah. that a fair way to put yeah, it? Yeah, I think that's fair. And but you know what? Remember, I don't think there's no way you would forget this, but you know, I gave him the example that I've thought about was, let's say, hypothetically, you're running a creative agency, you just lost a bunch of clients, you're running out of money, and then suddenly... That sounds extremely not hypothetical. (laughs) Oh, 
And then suddenly, like, oh, <laughs> Philip Morris comes to you and they're like, hey, do this campaign for Jewel, right? Oh, man. We've always, always talked about that before. We, we've talked about that in the past. How so, can I forget? I still think about this conversation, I want to say, on a every two weeks basis. Interesting. But yeah, like, that's something you have to consider because under those circumstances, a lot of things are happening. Like, you personally at that moment in time said, yeah, no, I would definitely not want you to take it. But then you're 20-something-year-old Charisse with no family, right? Versus maybe uh, yeah. Maria who has two kids and she's 45. I mean, it's... God, it's so tricky. And lately it's come up in even more serious ways in the news in relation to doing work for Amazon or doing work for ICE, which is possibly even more complicated more life and death related than doing work for philip morris Mm -hmm. which is like crazy for like this conversation to have evolved to this point but it really does sound like would you be comfortable as a creative agency doing work for the u.s border patrol knowing like the types of conditions that are in what do they call them what's the pc word that's not concentration camps refugee detention centers yeah that's it um i i just i mean i'm I'm personally extremely uncomfortable with that like i would rather do anything else than that um and i think like also i mean feeling good about yourself is a type of sustainability too right like maybe you can take the hit on one job but if every job you do you've involves you making an ethical decision that is like a little bit of a slide then many years of doing that wouldn't you question like what am i doing like what is the benefit of the work that i'm putting out this is like almost my ongoing narrative of the last few months it's how you react and behave in a certain instance is based off of your experience in your past that inform mm-hmm. your decision, right? I cannot go back and walk in your shoes, nor do I necessarily need to agree or disagree with what you do. I just need to understand that the way you came up with that solution is something that you did for your for whatever reason. If you're selfish, mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. If you're kind-hearted, you're whatever generous, there's a reason for that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the one thing that we often lose sight of is that there's not enough desire to understand the thought process and the process in general to arrive at a conclusion. So yeah. if I think of that, it maybe it's it's almost a cop-out because it makes me okay with certain things or it makes me curious to understand why people are doing what they're doing. It's only a cop-out if you then never do the work yeah. in understanding people's background. It's a it's an excuse if you say that and then just like don't pursue it any further but if if having that understanding that everything is dependent on background and history leads to you to dive deeper into finding out what the background and history is and i think that's the right thing to do what is the single thing you can do as an individual that would create the biggest positive effect around you I have this really cheesy, what is it? What do you call it when it's like a, a saying? Idiom? Yeah, I have a really cheesy idiom. All right, hit me. Be comfortable with the, un- be comfortable with discomfort? No, wait. Be uncomfortable, be comfortable being uncomfortable. 
Wow, I can't believe no, you are fudging. You, I can't believe you are fudging be, the idiom be, that you said would be the be, answer. I was thinking of the tense to say it in. Find comfort in discomfort. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Oh my gosh. That this is your answer that you think the single thing an individual can do to create biggest positive change, biggest positive yeah. effect is to be comfortable with discomfort. Yes, 100%. All right. Mic drop. That's uh, it. Yeah, because then if that's the case, then you're always comfortable pushing yourself. I mean, I feel like your answer is so dependent on subjective levels of comfort and discomfort. Yeah, but it's it's relative to yourself. Even if you personally, at this point in time, adopted this mindset tomorrow, I think you'd be better off. Assuming you have a goal of wanting to create better work. I'm trying to decide if I agree with you. I mean, I, I set up my question in a pretty intense way because I asked for like, what would create the biggest positive effect? So I'm like not certain that your answer is like, yeah, that would be the biggest effect. But I also don't have like a better answer to give you to this question. So maybe view it from a personal perspective of what you think would be the biggest change for you yourself. This is not a change. I already try to do this, but I think it's to get to know as many individuals on a personal basis. And it goes back to the ideas of mentorship and that we talked about in another conversation where not to say that I'm in this position where I can be a mentor to everyone. And obviously I need mentors in my own life, but I do think the effect that you can make around people is through individual relationships mm. and it's really not like shooting for how can i affect you know a million people at once with an incredible video or like this extremely well-written essay but it's like how many individual people can i know on a personal basis where i'm a support in their life and i am someone that can support them in in their quest for sustainability as a creative yeah no i think that's fair i think meeting a lot of different people with different walks of life is actually super important yeah because it's i think it goes back to that one of the first answers i gave the complexity of creativity is really about finding those connections with anything and everything whether it's work whether it's outside forces whether it's you yourself like it's all kind of intertwined mm. and understanding that they all work together is kind of the simplest form right like we always have that tagline like unexpected connections but mm -hmm. it really is that it's just that how comfortable are you with understanding that you'll never really know how it all connects but there is a connection there somehow all right should we go into the lightning round okay i'll do a timer how many seconds do you want? 20? I, I need I need like two seconds. Okay, I'm going to give you eight. Okay. I'm going to give you eight if you want to elaborate on anything. Okay. Wait, hang on. But this will ring, won't it? No, you don't need a timer. Yeah, I need a timer. No, but like it's... No. I don't okay, I'll do a stopwatch. That way yeah. I'll let you know when okay. it ends up. Okay, go. Wait, hang on. No, I have to ask you the question first. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Lightning round. Question number one. Full veg or fake meat? Fake meat. Why? Because it's just culturally ingrained in me currently. Like I ha it takes time to undo 
what you've known for this. Okay, that was eight seconds. I go also fake meat because I would really be a fan of totally test tube grown meat. Mm. And I think that's ethically really responsible. Okay. Oh, Nike or Adidas? I mean, the closet says Nike. Tough one too. I think that in general across the board, like looking at all product lines, probably Nike. Like in terms of quality in your opinion? Not quality, just like interest, like across all things. So like Mm. every single genre, whether it's football, basketball, lifestyle, et cetera. Not not necessarily just picking and choosing one specific unit. Subscription or one-off payment? I actually am not all that mad about subscriptions. It really depends on what it is for me. I think there's a limit on what things can become subscription based. Like I'm not keen on like subscription based closet, like apparel, for Mm -hmm. example, but almost everything else I go subscription too. You're okay with Adobe falling into the subscription bucket? I am okay with that. Okay. I think it makes sense for quality of software. Yeah. Public transport or autonomous vehicles? I go public transport. Me too. I think if... You too? Yeah. Yeah. Infrastructurally, everyone should just be focused on making public transport better instead of like trying to make vehicles autonomous. Or autonomous public transport. Yes. That's the dream. Yeah. Autonomous public transport. That, that's actually the better answer. Toilet paper. Over or under? Over all day. Oh my gosh. How, I would have been so disappointed if you had said under. I, I would have just been under. like... I don't know. People apparently have this debate in life, okay? To be honest, I haven't seen under in a long time. If you listen to this podcast and you prefer under, please write in because we need to know who you are. Or if you are, in fact, an under, please unsubscribe. (laughs) This is so terrible. What? It's terrible. I just want to know. I just want to know the rationale. I just want to know the rationale. Which messaging app? I'm not going to read Ugh, off all I, of them, but there's a ton. I, I hate all of them. Um, I hate being messaged. That's not true. I, it's not true because it's a part of my life. I have to be messaged. Um, I mean, WhatsApp takes up more and more of my life. I was thinking about you the other day because I got added to yet more WhatsApp group messages because of school. But it becomes the most prevalent. Everyone has it. My favorite is Telegram because I think mm. their development cycle and the new features they put out is the best can you do groups on telegram yeah you can it's way better than whatsapp you can have massive Interesting. groups and i think the moderation of the groups is a lot stronger you can even mm. choose the time limit between messages so you can't just spam oh i like, love it you could be like oh you can only message every five minutes wow hey maybe i'll download it but the thing this is, is kind of selling me. But the thing is, is that messaging apps are only useful if your friends are on there or the people you need to connect with. So if no yeah, one, no one in your convince... network, yeah, if no one in your network uses Telegram, then it's useless to you. But if I download it, I'll be like the start of a wave of more people installing it. Yeah. Check in or carry on luggage. Check in. I hate carrying on. Oh, sorry, sorry, what? sorry. I confused myself. Oh my gosh, I was so shocked. Oh my yeah. gosh, I was so shocked at that. Oh, I just gave like the biggest reaction. Carry on. It's still. Jesus. I'm still tired. It's carry on. Carry on all the way. Yeah. Like, there is traveled... no better feeling. Yeah. I've traveled the last 35 days with a carry on. Or essentially what oh, could have well been done. a carry on. But Wait, then... but what did you do about toiletries? 
I just put it in smaller containers. That's just, that's the only catch, I think, is that yeah. you have to do the limits for liquids. But with the carry-on, one thing I realized is just the weight limit. Like, it's not the size limit, it's the weight limit. A tea or coffee? Coffee. Coffee. Scanning through the rest of our list, I think we could do one-word answers. Okay. Dark meat or white meat? Dark meat. Same. Walkout song. I actually don't have an answer for this, so I think we're just going to have to skip on me. I've been thinking about this question for a while, and I don't have a good one. can't skip. What? Oh, God damn it. I shouldn't have put it in. I wanted to know your one. I'm sure you could find one. I think I would pick a Nicki song. I think I'd pick a Nicki Minaj song. I would do um, Bad Boy for Life by Puff Daddy. I'm pretty sure that's the correct name based on the era. I don't remember. Anyways. (laughs) worst job you've ever had i don't think i look at any job and look at it with disdain so i don't have none oh wow okay there's always something Um, interesting well there was something interesting but i think the most okay the most eclectic job i've ever had was singing songs to children it it wasn't terrible is really strange job that i had in my life oh let me ask this one you gotta pick two out of three okay Nice to work with, on time, or really good work. You only get two. Ooh, I would say nice to work with is one. And if it pertains to creative work, then probably on. Oh, damn. I, I go nice to work with and really good work. Yeah, but then I think that I'm thinking about the sustainability angle. And if you're always late, then you yeah they don't work with you anymore. All of right. course, of course you would say this. This is kind of a, a follow-up. You can pick two out of three. Quality, price, or speed? I go quality and speed. Yeah, I go quality and speed too, this one. Magazine or podcast? Podcast. Same. Uh, homemade coffee or store-bought? I kind of expand this to overall, like homemade or store-bought, and I go homemade. If I had all the tools and the implements, I'd probably go homemade too. Energetic. Such a weird question. I did not write this question. Yeah. Would you <laughs> energetic f- dog or chill dog? Yeah. I love energetic dogs. Oh, I go chill. Interesting. I want the I want like the cuddling dog. Paper straw or no straw? No straw. No straw. Who needs a straw? Yeah. A hundred this is the classic one. A hundred duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? One horse sized duck. I think I agree. I think I could fight a horse-sized duck. Um, <laughs> M dash or comma? I don't even know the what comma. this is. I don't even think this is an apt comparison, is it? It is kind of an apt comparison. Okay. I love the M dash, but the comma is overall more useful. I like the M dash, but when I use it, I have to copy and paste it. I need to search M dash and then copy and paste it. How do you not know how to type the M dash? I don't know what the thing is. It's option shift hyphen. Yeah, see? Exactly. That's three okay. That's three key presses. Um, it's faster than search. Oh, okay, so we don't have time for this. All right. Ravioli, ravioli or one? This is me. Yeah. I'm asking. We don't have time for this. Ravioli or one tons? <sighs> Sorry, people. I have to go with ravioli. <gasps> yeah. One tons. One I like, tons. I like ravioli because it's more of a noodle in a way. You know, there's, there's the edges. There's more noodles. Oh, I'm going to go get dumplings right after we finish recording All this, right. actually. Rice or noodles? Noodles. Yeah, I'm noodles too. Uh, oh, are you? Yeah. The more you learn. Third party accessories or manufacturer accessories? I like third party. 
I go third party too. Yeah. Especially, I'm like thinking of Apple right now in my head. And you don't like it, the manufacturer based No, I do not like the Apple accessories. Got it. And I think they are overpriced and the third party ones are better. All right, last question. Long distance or sprint? Long distance. Sprint all day, every day. I hate long distance. Why draw something out? Just get it done. Okay. Well, I mean, on one hand, this has been an illuminating lightning round because I guess we are different enough to continue doing this podcast. All right. Done. All right. I'm going to read your section. That's a good place to cap things off for the day. If you're interested in hearing more about Macon, reading and listening to some of our stories focused on the sights and sounds of creative culture, visit us at Macon.com. M-A-E-K-A-N.com. You can also subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms. If you like this podcast, you can do us a huge favor by reviewing us on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email myself at eugene at macon.com, E-U-G-E-N-E, or Sharice at macon.com, C-H-A-R-I-S. We love hearing your feedback. I'm Sharice. I'm Eugene. And this is Making It Up. Can you try one more with a bit more energy? Do it justice. Do it justice. And this is making it up. You, I think you got one more in you. Oh my god! I just got. Oh just, just really channel. <laughs> just channel. And this is making it up. <laughs> How's that? The second one was better. The second yeah. one was better. I can't. How do you do this on every episode? Just you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. God, think. it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy. Why do we do this? And this is making it up. Yeah, like if, if your smile matched the intensity. You know? Yeah, except I really feel like it was a sarcastic smile on that one. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. All right. And this is making it up. There you go. That's better. Okay. We should we should publish this video along with slides. All right, we're done here. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna turn this oh, off. Me too.